Hey, hey, friend, and happy Monday. If you noticed, over the last couple of weeks, I've kind of had a theme going on each week. Two weeks ago was Health and Fitness Week. Last week was Relationships Week. And this week, with it being Valentine's Day on Sunday, a holiday that celebrates love and relationships, I want to ask you to spend some time on your relationship with yourself this week. Your relationship with yourself is arguably one of the most important. Because if you want to show up fully in your relationship with your partner and your kids, it's important that you put your oxygen mask on first, as the saying goes, and connect with yourself and love yourself and value yourself. I think oftentimes we live our life waiting to get love and respect from someone else. All the while, are we giving it to ourselves? And if this is you, if you know that you are lacking in self-love and self-confidence and self-care and self-respect and all the things related to self-esteem and honoring yourself, then this week, my friend, it's time to make you a priority. Now, this is going to be a longer episode, and I ask that you give yourself the time this week to listen to the whole thing, even if you have to listen to it in bits and pieces But I have a really great conversation with you today between me and a beautiful mama named Krista Bevan, a self-proclaimed radical mother. Krista Bevan is a dynamic self-care coach for other radical mothers, as well as a certified TRE provider, and that stands for Tension and Trauma Releasing Exercises, and she's a yoga instructor. Her coaching practice helps to empower mothers on a journey of healing trauma and doing deeply transformational personal development work. Coming to this work out of necessity, she's seen the incredible impact healing trauma can have in all directions of your family tree. As a natural teacher, Krista works to educate, support, and inspire people who are ready for radical change in their lives with methods that deliver results. She believes that self-love, compassion, and grace are the core elements of healing and all start with a foundation of self-awareness. I brought Krista on the show today to motivate and inspire you to give yourself a lot more of that grace, a lot more of that love, and a lot more presence. I know you'll love her. Thanks for being here today. Remember, when you work on yourself, you make the world a better place. So thanks for making the world a better place just by listening to this. If you like this episode, please share it with three friends who you think would love it too. All right, sister, here we go. This is the Motivation for Mom show, a personal development podcast for moms, hosted by certified life coach and fellow mama, Sarah Munder. Each week, Sarah will bring you motivation, inspiration, and personal empowerment to help you show up even stronger for your family and be the mom and woman you were meant to be. You sacrifice so much of yourself every day, and it's time to take at least a few minutes and invest this time into nurturing yourself and filling your soul. You are worthy and you deserve it. Ready, Mama? Hey, it's Sarah. Listen, I know you're here because you want more for your life. You have these thoughts and ideas about what your best self and what your best life looks like, but maybe you can't seem to find a way to stay consistent enough to see real progress towards these visions and dreams. Hey, I get it. As moms, we're pulled in a million different directions. We've got so many things to think about and so many people to care for, and there's always something new and unexpected to deal with which means that if we leave our goals and dreams up to chance, we're never going to get there. And the years will pass and we'll certainly stay busy, but there will come a point where we ask ourselves, am I happy? Have I been living on purpose? Have I been living with intention? And do I feel fulfilled in my life? Did I give my family the life I dreamed of giving them? As a mom, I understand the challenges of motherhood. And as a certified coach, I am obsessed with learning about how people make breakthroughs in their life and create real and lasting change. 
In my 12-week program, Breakthrough, I help moms level up every area of their life, reach their personal and professional goals, improve their relationships, and finally step into the strongest, most vibrant, most confident version of themselves. We can't use the excuse of being a busy mom to stay stuck. It's because of the responsibility we have to our kids, to future generations who are learning from us, that we must commit and take action before the years get away from us. It's time to change your life. It's time to break through to new levels of growth, joy, and fulfillment. I only work with moms who are serious and committed to their journey. So if this is you, I'd love to hear from you. Just go to themamamiracle.com forward slash coaching to apply. And yes, I offer a payment plan. Listen, all of your excuses are valid, but not one of them will get you the results you want. This is your life. Go to themamamiracle.com forward slash coaching right now on your phone to take that first step towards changing your life and making breakthroughs. I support you and I believe in you. Well, welcome, Krista, to the Motivation for Moms podcast. Why don't you start by introducing yourself and telling the listeners who you are, what you do, and who you help? Sure. So I am a dynamic self-care coach for radical mothers. Radical mothers are the ones that are nearest and dearest to my heart. I define those women as the ones that are breaking cycles of generational trauma so that they can give their children a better life by giving themselves a better life first. And I came to this work out of necessity. I realized actually long before my son was born, and I actually was officially a mother, I realized that my first act of mothering needed to be doing some of this trauma healing work on myself so that I could really stop those cycles. That is so beautiful. I don't think that enough mothers give themselves the opportunity to do that. Um, a lot of us are just kind of thrown into motherhood and then it's just a roller coaster from there. And so I think a lot of times we tell ourselves, I don't have the time or I'm so busy and one day I'll work on this or one day I'll get to the bottom of this or one day I'll work on becoming a better person or getting into therapy or whatever, hiring a coach. And that one day just never comes um, unless, you know, there's, there's a saying that I always say that either something is going to come from outside of you to force you to change or something is going to come from within you to really nudge you to make that change. And so I'm so glad you're here because you are my people. You are what you do is just so beautiful and necessary, in my opinion, for all of us mothers, if we want to show up in the best way that we can for our family. Um, why don't you just get into your story then on how you got to do what you do today? Yeah. So a big part of my story, it's funny that you mentioned that, you know, these nudges come from the outside or come from within. Mine definitely came from within. So I had an experience, which I describe as my awakening to love, which I know how cheesy that sounds. And before it happened to me, I was the person rolling my eyes, those kinds of statements and stories because I thought it was cheesy too. And of course, I've learned in my life that the things that I sort of roll my eyes at the hardest end up being the thing, the lessons that I need to learn, right? So yes, my experience was that I had this moment where I realized and it hit me like it was a, it was a definite like light bulb switch aha moment where it hit me that my continued autoimmune symptoms were being fueled by internal self-hatred. I have celiac disease which is an autoimmune disorder. And I had done, I got the diagnosis. I was very, very sick. I got the diagnosis. I was still having lots of symptoms. And a lot of them, the thing is with celiac in particular, is we think of it as being um, something that affects just your stomach and you know you can't eat gluten and then you're better. But the reality is it actually affects your whole body and it affects your mood. It was affecting my anxiety. My quality of life was just terrible. And even after I had made all of the sort of changes and modifications and lifestyle, you know, adjustments that I was supposed to do, 
I still felt pretty awful. And I got to this place where my healing had plateaued and I couldn't really, I knew that there was something holding me back and that I wasn't feeling as good as I could be, but I couldn't figure out what that barrier was. And so the way that my brain works is that I'm caught, I'm, I'm a questioner to the bone and I just, I dig and dig and dig until I get to the root cause of something. And so I was thinking about what autoimmune means and it's literally your body's immune system attacking yourself and the programming somewhere in your immune system has gone haywire that it does that. And so I started thinking, well, why would my body get that message that I was the enemy? Why would it attack my, me, my own cells, my own gut, you know, my own intestinal lining? And that's when I had that epiphany moment because I was telling it to do that. And I was telling it to do that through these messages, these subconscious messages of self-hatred and that I wasn't loving myself and I wasn't practicing self-love in any sense, but especially not on a subconscious level. And I was literally bathing my cells and my tissues and my immune system with these messages and these direct, you know, the, the orders to attack the enemy. I was the enemy. So it was actually doing exactly what it was supposed to. It's just that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to, which was actually caring for myself. You mentioned the term self-hatred, which I think that a lot of people hear that and are kind of like stunned by it. Like that's such a harsh word. Um, did you? How did you know that that's what it was? Like, did you just always know that you hated yourself? No. In fact, if you had asked me before that experience, if I hated myself, I would have been like, what are you talking about? Like that would have seemed absurd to me. Like another one of those eye roll moments. Oh, absolutely. As much as I can question, I can roll my eyes, right? And so I would have just thought that that was ridiculous because again, these were subconscious thoughts. I was not consciously aware that this is how I was thinking or behaving. And the only way, I mean, it just it just hit me, right? It was yeah. just like it, I, I just knew. I literally fell to the floor with my face in the towel, drying it off after washing it, hot, burning tears running down my face. I mean, it was absolutely like a come to Jesus moment where I had this flash of insight that this is what was happening. And in that message was also the medicine, which was that in order to heal and to break through that barrier that I had sensed was there, the way that I needed to do that was through loving myself and consciously practicing shifting those messages that I was living with inside. Mm. So tell us what dynamic self-care is. Is that the term that you use to describe what you do? Yeah. So this is a term that I have come up with. I'll be honest, self-care is one of those things. It's one of those terms that I have sort of a love-hate relationship with. I love it because I think it's necessary. I think more people need to be practicing it, but I also hate it in the sense that it's become really diluted. And I, I agree. I think that the, you know, the label of self-care gets thrown on anything and everything that that feels good or looks nice. I sort of differentiate uh, dynamic self-care from what I call Pinterest style self-care. <laughs> so Pinterest style self-care is the things that, um, you know, bubble baths and pedicures and spa, you know, things that like look nice on a, on a Pinterest image, but aren't necessarily taking care of yourself on a deeper, more dynamic level. So self-care really at its heart is about protecting yourself and caring for yourself on this deep level through times of stress. And when we can practice dynamic self-care, we're really, we're really able to do that and integrate it into our lives rather than have it be this separate thing that we go and do. Mm, talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. What do you mean by it's this separate thing that we do? So self-care, again, this label that gets thrown on things, it always feels like that's something that is added to my to-do list right? Like it's something that I need to do that's separate from my life as opposed to dynamic self-care, which is a way that you live your life. It's a way that you offer yourself self-compassion. It's a way that you move through stressful situations with a level of self-awareness. It's a way that you can start to cultivate practices of self-love, even at times that you are stressed and maybe not behaving your best. 
Can you give us some examples of what that deep work looks like and how that integrates into um, our day-to-day life? Sure. So, you know, one example that I use pretty frequently is um, – because we're all moms here, right? And we've all yelled at our kids. I think that's fair to say that we've all done that. And then we all feel terrible afterwards, right? And then we usually feel terrible. You know, depending on how bad it was, we feel terrible later in the day. We're trying to fall asleep at night. We just, you know, we roll that incident over and over again in our mind and we just continue to feel bad about it. Now, I'm not excusing yelling at your kids. I'm not advocating for that. But the reality is it happens, And when we can start to understand some of the ways that it is occurring and some of the things that lead up to it happening, we can interrupt it. And we can look at the ways that, you know, maybe our own needs aren't being met. Maybe we're hungry. Maybe we're tired. Maybe we haven't had a moment of rest. Maybe we haven't had five minutes to go pee alone all day long. And so our nervous system is taxed. And then we're presented with a cranky kid who's yelling at us or having a tantrum or giving us attitude as a teenager, whatever it is. And that sort of sends us into this state of reactivity where we yell. And so those things all make sense on a level of how your nervous system works, right? You have a capacity to deal with stress throughout your day. And then as that starts to get taxed, additional things that trigger you, because that's what it is when your kid is doing something that, you know, causes you to yell at them, they're triggering you. And then we react. That's just how we're wired. We can't change that. But what we can do is we can accept it. We can start to have some forgiveness for ourselves for what we did. And again, that's not excusing the behavior, but it's accepting the fact that you're a human being and it was the end of the day and all of these factors added up so that that happened for you. So that rather than continue a threat, which is internal shame, right? Because when you're in a shame spiral, those subconscious thoughts matter, right? My story earlier illustrated how much damage internalized self-hatred can do. Well, shame and feeling bad and feeling guilty about how you behaved actually continue that threat inside of your brain. Yeah, that makes sense. So when you first had that realization that it was self-hatred that was causing these physical symptoms, which I totally agree with, we know in science that our thoughts can affect our, the cellular activity in our bodies. Um, what what did you start to do? Or I imagine that it's been you know a journey. It wasn't just like it was a quick fix, but what did you start to do differently in this new way of dynamic self-care? You know, how did that actually show up in your day-to-day life as a mom? Mm -hmm. So I actually was not a mom when this happened. My son had not been born yet. So this was part of me doing the work before um, becoming a mother. But it looked like really becoming aware of where my mind was wandering off to in certain situations. And for me, that was looking at Uh, again, my stress responses. So I talk a lot about what I call nervous system literacy, which is understanding the way that your body responds and reacts under stress. And so I started noticing some of these behaviors about myself. And then I started to just extend more compassion and extend a little bit of grace to myself that I had been dealing with a lot of stuff and that I had been dealing with a lot of unresolved trauma from my childhood and that those things had accumulated in my life to this sort of point where I had this, this breakdown, right? This where I got so sick and, and all of this stuff was happening. The other thing for me was it was a lot of mental symptoms. I was having really bad anxiety attacks. I had my first anxiety attack when I was 12 years old. And this awakening to love actually did not change those, that it did not take that away. I had to have something else happen for that to finally resolve itself. But it helped me look at those with a different light. And so a lot of this was internal work, right? And this is what I mean, that it's integrated into your day. It was not things that I was doing. It was way, you know, per se, it was ways that I was thinking about and holding myself in this different light with a little bit more tenderness and a little bit more compassion and a little bit more awareness. I heard you say uh, in another conversation, we wouldn't speak to our child the way that we speak to ourselves. And I think that that's so true. I think that that's such a good place to start, but taking that one step further 
I mean, the truth is sometimes we talk to our children like we talk to ourselves or like how our caregivers spoke to us. And so for me, like that's just such a powerful reason to do the inner work because whatever is going on up here is going to come out in how we parent. And then, you know, there, there goes that shame spiral again. And so how did you begin to like, can you give specific examples of how you began to change those thoughts or that self-talk or how did that compassion really manifest for you? You know, honestly, it was just focusing on it. It was just realizing that that's what I needed to do. And then it sort of started happening on its own, right? So I am always saying that alteration follows awareness because just the act of observing these things and bringing them to light, right? Taking these subconscious thoughts and making them conscious ones has a capacity to change them. Yes. And so even just putting that attention on them starts to shift what those are. Because you're right, I think that so, you know, we do we do have a tendency to repeat things the way that we saw them. And so that's why this idea of radical mothers, these these mamas who are breaking those cycles, I commend them because they're doing the work of raising their children while reparenting themselves at the same time. They're parenting with a model that they didn't see or experience themselves. And so just knowing that that, you know, motherhood in general is one of the most incredibly difficult and rewarding jobs that anyone can take on. And then you add this extra component of being aware that you're trying to consciously break these cycles. And I think just allowing yourself the grace to know that that is an incredible job that you're taking on can help soften those days where you don't do it perfectly. Because the reality is none of us do it perfectly. We're all humans. But when we can apply just a little bit of of tenderness to that, that alone can go a long way. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, as if we didn't have enough on our plate to parent our children, and and then sometimes it feels like we're parenting our spouse, we have to self-parent ourselves and heal um, these things from our past and break, like you said, these, um, these generational traumas, would you get into trauma a little bit? Because I know that you're, a. um, correct me if I'm wrong. The term is a certified tension and trauma release. Please fix it for me. <laughs> you got it. You actually were right. You just needed one more word. Okay. Yes. I am a certified TRE provider and TRE is tension and trauma releasing exercises. So this was actually the thing that finally got those anxiety attacks out of my life. Okay, cool. Um, Because one of the realizations that I had later on was that I was still having all of these um, feelings of anxiety and these anxiety attacks. And I realized that I had done the sort of work in my brain, right, in in therapy and in different models. uh, But I needed to include my body in the conversation on healing. And that led me to this place of of finding TRE and having that come into my life. Okay. Tell us what TRE is because now I'm really curious. Yeah. So it what it's doing is you do a series of physical exercises and the exercises help to induce a natural shaking mechanism in your body. And that shaking is one of the ways that your body can discharge or complete a stress activation. And so by doing that, you can go you can start to do some of this deeper level work where you're starting to unwind some of that chronic holding, some of the physical guarding that we see in people who have experienced chronic stress or trauma in their lives, right? Because like you were saying earlier, we know that stress affects our tissues, right? We, you know, the issue is in your tissues that's saying because our physical body responds as much to stress as our mental bodies do. And so when we can use this innate healing wisdom of the body to regulate itself back uh, through shaking, we can tap into that wisdom, right? And we can really use that to to start to heal some of these parts of ourselves. Okay. So how does this show up in the average day-to-day mom's life? So going back to the example of, um, I think you said earlier, like your kid is losing it or your kid is, you know, having a tantrum or whatever is happening. Um, that you were saying that that initiates feelings in us or a stress response. And then, you know, we 
we respond from there. But can you go into a little bit more into the science of how this trauma manifests in our bodies and how the um, the nervous system works in our day-to-day lives, in our day-to-day interactions, in stressful situations where we have a disagreement with a spouse or we have a disagreement with our mother-in-law or someone cuts us off on the road or our child's just not listening to us and we feel all these feelings, but sometimes um, we don't always respond in the way we wish we had. But can you shed some light on what's actually going on there? Sure. So what's happening is that your nervous system is designed to keep you alive, right? Everything it does is in service of survival. And so part of the way that it does that, it's constantly assessing the environment that you're in for potential danger. And what can happen is that if your brain senses danger, and this danger can be real or it can be perceived, and that's a really important distinction. But if your body, if your survival brain perceives a threat, it triggers you and it activates your nervous system, right? We've all heard of fight or flight and those are nervous system responses. Essentially, your body will get activated into a place of of something like fight or flight, right? It can also be freeze if your body gets overwhelmed to the point that you shut down. But let's, let's focus on fight or flight for a moment. So with that, comes a surge of survival hormones. Okay, so things like cortisol and adrenaline start pumping through your body. And that happens so that it's it's preparing you to be able to either fight, right, which takes an incredible amount of physical energy and strength, or to flight and run away, which also takes an incredible amount of physical strength and stamina. So that's the way that our nervous system is designed. And that's a brilliant system. And it works really well. And if there's something actually coming after us, and we need to fight or flight and get away from that, we're really good at being able to do that. And then when we accomplish one of those things, either fighting off the predator, let's say, or running away from it, those actions use up those survival hormones that started coursing through our body. So now the cortisol and the adrenaline have been used up in those actions which all all makes sense, right? The problem is if we get activated or triggered, those survival hormones are coursing through our body. But if we don't actually have an opportunity to complete that stress response through something like fighting or flighting, those hormones are still in our body and they're still coursing through us, right? This is where the concept of you can remove the stressor, but it doesn't remove the stress comes into play. I imagine that it would do all kinds of damage in your body if you don't somehow release those hormones. Absolutely. And so, you know, this happening as a one-off event is one thing, but the problem is the world that we live in, which is not designed for how our ancestors evolved to live, is that we're under constant attack of threat, right? And again, this is perceived threat. So this is this can be things like 24-hour news cycles. This can be things like overflowing email inboxes. Or just comments on Facebook that, you know, someone leaves in a Facebook group that we're in and it triggers us somehow. Absolutely. Right. And it and those single things by themselves are not usually enough to to cause us to react out of our, you know, overreact, I guess I'll say. But it's this accumulation, right? So the way that our nervous system wants to exist is that it wants to get triggered and then be able to come out of that activation. And when we can't, when we stay activated, 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 it continues, it snowballs essentially, right? And so what we know is that chronic levels of stress can lead to chronic inflammation. So now we can start to see how these things are connected to physical diseases, because we also know that chronic inflammation is connected to all kinds of the major um, causes of death, right? Things like heart disease and, you know, Alzheimer's is a form of inflammation, right? Hypertension, all these different things that are associated with with inflammation, right? And it's not that these are all one-to-one correlations, but you can start to see how your body over time isn't being set up for success. So what we need to do, and this is where this information applies to us as mothers, is we need to finish or complete those stress responses. And there's lots of different ways that we can do that. And once we start to understand what those are, 
we can incorporate them into our day. And in fact, what I love about a lot of them is that we can actually incorporate our kids into doing these things with us. Yeah, because I imagine that their bodies are doing the same thing that our bodies are doing, except they're so much less aware of why it's happening or even what is happening. Absolutely. And the other thing that happens with kids is that their bodies are still developing, right? They're still figuring out how to self-regulate. They don't know how to do that yet. They ha- they haven't learned it yet, and they're not developed enough for that to occur. One of the ways that they do regulate, however, is through something called co-regulation. And that means attuning themselves to the people around them. We actually all do this, but but this is one of the ways that kids learn self-regulation is through co-regulation. So that means that if you are completely dysregulated and then your child is having a tantrum, and we all know this, we all have experienced this in our in our lives, that if your kid is having a bad time and you're really in a bad place too, it's even harder to get them to move out of that tantrum. Whereas if you're sort of grounded yes. and more present, you can sit with that tantrum and allow it to happen, allow it to work out of their system. Because that's a, a stress discharge for them, right? Yes. When we view it in this light, they're having a tantrum as a way to regulate themselves. Yeah. And if they don't know how, and if we're, like you said, dysregulated, then they're just going to match what, oh my goodness, the work that you do is so important to, and, and it just under lines, the importance of taking the time to get your mind right and having that morning routine to be able to show up for the day and like ground yourself and regulate yourself. Because all the things that we do in quote unquote self-care, all the things that we, you know, in my opinion, it's the little things and the big things that contribute to us being able to show up in the ways that we need to show up for our kids, but self being able to self-regulate to me is one of the most important things because motherhood is so hard and it's so Mm -hmm. unpredictable. Yes, And so, okay, give us some, maybe just a few examples of what a mom can do when she notices she's feeling really dysregulated. Okay. I will, but if I can just address one other thing that you just said real quick is that because self-regulation is so important. And this is just another, I want to add another um, piece to the story of why you should extend yourself some grace about this. Because if you came from a household where self-regulation was not taught or not modeled very well, it's even harder for you to know how to do that, right? So you're sort of starting the race behind the start line and you have to play catch up to even get to that place where you can self-regulate yourself. And then you're in a situation with little kids that is incredibly stressful, right? So it's just, it's just another thing to be aware of that this is hard work and that you're doing a great job, right? So some things that you can do, other ways that you can discharge a stress response. So there's fighting or flighting. There's also physical movement of any kind, okay? There's also things like creative expression. There's also things like breath work. This is a great one to do. Um, others include, um, we, you know, we talked about shaking. Crying is another discharge method. So whether or not you're actually crying, it's helpful to be able to identify that if your kid is whining and crying and seems fussy, they're not trying to be a pain. They're actually trying to regulate themselves. Mm, that's so important. When can, yeah, when you can sort of shift that mindset and see what the underlying behavior is, it helps to feel less overwhelmed by the noise of that, right? So let me give you an example um, of a great way that you can include this. So if you notice that you are getting activated and you just are having a rough day and it's getting, in my house, we call it the five o'clock fussies, right? It's like the end of the day. What I'll do sometimes is I'll have a dance party. So we'll turn on some really good loud music and we'll just run around the kitchen and dance, Okay. And this is doing a couple of things. One, it's physical movement. Two, it's creative expression. And three, it's also the other one that I um, was going to mention that I forgot is social engagement, positive social interaction. Okay. And then laughter is another way that you can discharge stress. So that's like all of them in a dance party. So this is using all of them, right? So when I know that the mood in the house needs to shift, I'll put on some really loud, happy music and we'll just start moving our bodies. You know, and I'm telling my son, we're going to get our wiggles out, right? 
And I know that that's going to help me reset. Because the other thing is, if you're really dancing, you also have to breathe better. You have to breathe deeper. So this is really approaching things from like all these different angles. So one of the things that I tell private clients is, I want you, this is one of your homework assignments. I want you to make a playlist. Just start with three songs even. On your phone, I want you to make a playlist folder with three songs that you can turn on that make you shake your booty. I don't care what they are, but like the, we all have them, right? The loud get up and move songs. And then use that as a tool when you need to shift that energy. It's so good. Yeah. When you see, because this is the thing, we can see these storms coming on the horizon, right? We all know when that meltdown is coming. And so if we can get ahead of that, we can disrupt it and we can start to shift that energy and use it up so that hopefully either the storm doesn't come or if it comes, it's a little less intense. Love it. Let's circle back to um, the idea of being your own threat and sort of, you know, how the nervous system works and how we're responding to it, but not just responding to it, but how we're sort of playing into it with some of the thoughts that we tell ourselves and how it just kind of, like you said earlier, spirals and makes this response even worse, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, in the example I gave you earlier of you yell at your kids and then you're laying in bed at night and you're just reliving this thing and you feel ashamed and you you're sort of beating yourself up about why did I do that? What's wrong with me? This must mean I'm a bad mother. I'm a bad person. These negative thoughts and feelings really contribute negativity in your system. Right? And so when you when you are stuck in that spiral, you're continuing to, you know, your body is sensing that as a threat. It's like reinforcing it. Yeah, exactly. That that quote unquote bad behavior is something that you then have these contentious feelings with, but that bad behavior was you behaving that way. Mm -hmm. So that contention is actually against yourself. Yeah. I'm obsessed with this idea of this question of how do you fully accept yourself and love yourself while also having a growth mindset and while also expecting more from yourself and like always working to improve yourself. What are your thoughts on that? I think this is where yes and statements can come in. Yes, I yelled at my kids and I can do better. Yes, I screwed this up and I can learn from it. Right. And using this, and you know, you're talking about a growth mindset. It's like you can have these things happen and allow them to be learning opportunities rather than stumbling blocks. And again, think about how we behave, you know, how we, uh, what we expect of our children. If they screw something up, we don't tell them that they're bad kids. We don't think that there's something wrong with them. We know that they fumbled because they're learning and we love them anyway right? We can do the same for ourselves, but we're not used to that and we're not practiced at that. And that's just it. It is a practice. And I think if you can understand that and know that you're going to fumble and expect that you're going to fumble, but allow yourself to continue anyway. And let's be real. If if you're a person with that's oriented to a growth mindset, then more than likely you're going to allow yourself to do that. It's just about allowing those things to happen. I think it's helpful to to know too um, that it's like the um, the idea that our mistakes or our failures can actually leave us stronger than if it had never happened. And Dr. Dan Siegel, he's one of my favorite child psychiatrists. I read like every single one of his books, but he always talks about that, how we get on the low road with our kids and we do something that we we said something in such a way that we didn't mean, um, or maybe we just said something really terrible to our kids. I mean, like we're all guilty of it when we're feeling that pain inside of us and just it just comes out of our mouth like mouth vomit. And we're just like, I cannot believe I said that to my most precious child. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's an opportunity to not only get back on the high road and learn from it, but actually create a a stronger bond with the child because then they see mommy's human and mommy really cares. Mommy took the time to actually circle back around and come back and reestablish that connection with me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important 
right? And that's such a huge piece of this equation because we want our kids to grow up and be able to do that. And they, you know, to be able to make mistakes and then move on and grow and learn from that. And, you know, I think, I think one thing that's really nice about what the research shows us is that kids don't need us to be perfect. They need us to be good enough. And that's what the research shows. They don't need perfect parents who never yell, who are perfectly calm, who are perfectly regulated all of the time because it's not realistic. And if that's the image that you're presenting to your kids, it's because you're suppressing something. Let's be honest. That isn't actually reality. It's what you're choosing to show them. And what that's showing them on a subliminal level is that they're not allowed to express the full range of range of their human emotions. And it's teaching them to suppress the parts of themselves that fall outside of the bounds of quote unquote polite behavior, as opposed to saying all feelings are valid, how we choose to deal with them may or may not be, right? So like hitting, you know, like in our, you know, I talk with um, clients again about you know, deciding which things in your life are negotiable versus non-negotiable. So like in our household, hitting people is non-negotiable. That's something that my son is not allowed to do, but these are things he can do instead. What is that behavior trying to accomplish? So can we do something to divert that? Yeah, that is, non-negotiables are a big thing in our household too. And my husband is always reminding me to really affirm, well, not affirm, but recognize and shine light on our child's, how their state, what, where they're at in the moment. And instead of, Mm -hmm. you know, saying things like you're being bad or you're bad, or, you know, creating this like self-concept of like, they're just a bad kid, which doesn't help anyone. And those types of statements stay with them for life. Um, it's like, you're having a really hard time managing your big feelings in this moment. So I'm going to help you. Like we've really been dealing with that with my oldest daughter who's seven lately. She's been, it's like, it's almost like she feels so hard. And I really truly believe she's like a spirited child. She feels so hard. And when she's unable to regulate or manage those big feelings, it just comes out in the most hurtful things that she says, because that's the only way she knows how to get that energy through her. Mm -hmm. If I haven't taught her more effective ways. And so that's what we're really working on right now is like, notice your feelings and here are some alternative things you can do let me help you. And I, and I keep telling her, honey, I'm on your team. You don't need to attack me because she attacks me with her words. You know, you're the worst mom ever, or like, you're just so mean. And she'll, she'll jump to those conclusions, like those, um, those kind of all or nothing mindsets. And as a human mom, it's really easy for those things to trigger me in my own way, because I have my own big feelings that I'm dealing with, but I'm really working on right now, just kind of putting a wall up because that's like my protective measure so that I can show up more for her in that moment. It's like, honey, just remind you, I'm on your team. You're having a really hard time with your feelings right now. Do you want to go take a shower and just kind of like wash all that energy off you? Do you need some alone time right now? Are you tired? Are you hungry? What's going on? Yeah. And I think, I think what's happening too, is that she feels safe enough with you to allow those things to come out. Mm, Good point. And that, you know, and, and when you can see it that way, Mm -hmm. that you are her safe container you can disassociate from the actual words that she's saying and the hurt that she's trying to convey with those words yeah. and see that behavior as her trying to, like you said, regulate herself in the only way that she either knows or has access to in that moment mm-hmm. and that she feels connected and att- and safely enough attached to you that she feels like she can discharge that on you and mm-hmm. still you're going to be there to love her. And so in those moments, that's your job is to not listen to her words, but to hold that safe, loving container and continue to reassure her that your words can be whatever they want. I still love you. I'm still here. And I always still love you. That is so reassuring. 
And I am sure that there is a listener out there who needed to hear that because the more that I think about it, you're so right because she is the type of person that is like the teacher's pet. Like she is mm-hmm. perfectly well-behaved at school. And if I'm struggling with something at home, I, I noticed that if I say something like, I'm really going to have to talk to your teacher about this because I don't know what to do here. She just loses it. Like there is no way, mom, that you're going to go tell my teacher. And so you're right. Like she sees me as that safe um, outlet, which unfortunately can hurt sometimes, but like, that's where my self-regulation really comes into play. Thank you for shining light on that for me. Cause that is so helpful. And I'm sure that's going to help somebody else. Yeah, you're welcome. And what's so beautiful about that is the, you know, the gift in this is that that's illustrating for you what your work needs to be, right? which is, is creating that boundary and that self-protection for yourself so that you are not hearing her words per se right? while allowing yourself to be in that position of a safe, loving container. And I, I will say too, that that kind of behavior where they're, um, where kids are sort of like the teacher's pet or everybody that meets them thinks that they're really well behaved, but then they sort of unleash at home. That's kind of a classic pairing because she's trying to, you know, she doesn't feel safe enough to express herself fully in these other places, but she can only keep that in for so long so that by the time she's at home with you, where she knows that you are going to unconditionally love her, that's, she sees that as her outlet to process through those things. Yeah. That just really highlights the importance too, of how I respond to her in that moment. Because I imagine knowing her, she beats herself up. She is constantly criticizing herself. And maybe that's why she feels like she has to put on this like perfect perception in her class and, you know, in her horseback riding lessons or in her gymnastics class. Um, and again, it's like when she's coming to me to show her true insecurities, it's like, how am I, um, how am I meeting her and how am I giving her that safe container? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So how does it feel to know that the work that you're doing is helping women change their relationship with themselves, but how does it feel to know that you're helping create these ripple effects in these families and like into the next generation? I mean, it just, it, it feels like exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Like it absolutely feels like everything that I experienced was not for naught. Because the big thing for me was that I, on this journey, of mothering radically, I felt so alone. And I just was desperately lonely. And I knew that I could not be the only one doing this work. And I just needed community and I needed support from other people that had done this work before me. And so now that I'm in a position to offer that to others, it's just, it's rewarding beyond measure to know that, because really what I believe is that when mothers heal, the world heals. And that when one mother heals herself, it makes the world that I live in a better place too. And it makes the world that you live in a better place and everyone listening to this a better place. I really believe that when we can lift each other up, it it improves things for all of us. And so I'm just so honored that I get to be a part of that. I say the exact same thing, but like in my own way, in almost every single one of these podcast episodes. And so I truly feel that we're so aligned in our purpose and our mission. And I truly also believe that our capacity for personal change and working on ourselves is directly correlated to our perceived impact that we have on others and how important we see our role in being and, you know, feeling responsible for this mission that's bigger than ourselves. And I think that that can help a lot of moms let go of whatever guilt that they have, because, when you really think about why you're doing what you're doing and like doing the healing work and working on self-love and investing in yourself, it's not about you. It's about something so much bigger than you. And to me, like that's the most powerful thing that we can tap into every single day when we're just not feeling motivated or we're just not like feeling like we want to do the things that we know we need to do to take care of ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. That's such a beautiful message, right? That there is when we can answer to a higher purpose, it does. It puts things into perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Krista, for being here. Before I let you go, was there anything that you wanted to leave the listeners with? And will you please tell everyone how they can get a hold of you and how you can help them? Sure. Yeah. So if any of what I've said has resonated with you and you sort of identify with this description of being a radical mother that I've described, I have a, I call it my virtual village, which is a Facebook group that I facilitate. And you can find that. I can send the link to you, Sarah. But um, if you just search for the radical mother village on Facebook, you'll find that. Um, and then other ways to connect with me are at my website, which is kristabevan.com. I also have a podcast of my own that will be launching in a couple of weeks at the end of January. I'm not sure when this episode will be live, but that is called The Radical Mother Village. So you can find that on all the major podcasting platforms and we'll be having these kinds of conversations and continuing this work. Exciting. Congratulations on your podcast. That's really, really exciting. Um, I love the work that you're doing. I really support you and I'm so glad that we were connected and that you were able to come on the show today. Um, So there you have it. Thanks for being here. Before you go, I thought I'd ask if you'd be willing to take a moment and leave a review on iTunes or simply share this podcast with a like-minded friend. And if you're on Instagram, you can find me as at Sarah Munder. Take a screenshot, post it to your stories or your feed and tag me so I can see it and give you a shout out on the show. While you're over there, send me a DM and let me know that you're a listener and what your biggest takeaway from the show was. Hearing from my listeners is one of my absolutely favorite parts of my day. And so I'd love to hear from you, sister. And if you're ready to change your life, I've got something for everyone on my website, themamamiracle.com, where you can get my free worksheet, the Mama Miracle Manifestation Worksheet, to help you get your mind right for the day. You can join my popular planner makeover course, where you'll learn how to more strategically use a planner to reach your goals, accomplish all of your tasks, and finally make time for what's truly important in your life. This course is for those of you who need new strategies for creating a schedule and getting the most out of your precious time. And if you're ready for a whole nother level, sister, I invite you to apply for my 12-week coaching program, Breakthrough. I only work with moms who are serious about up-leveling every area of their life and are committed to reaching their goals. So if this is you, I want to hear from you. Just go to themamamiracle.com forward slash coaching to apply. That's themama, M-A-M-A, miracle.com forward slash coaching. Thanks for being here. And I'll see you on the next episode of Motivation for Moms.